you are tasting my wine. I want to see your eyes, uh, what they tell me, and I want to, you to see from my eyes uh, what I'm trying to do. No time for Welcome, everyone, and thank you for listening to the fifth season of Camille's Demi Hour. This is a half-hour show dedicated to sharing the Epicurean life and personal stories from Nantucket and beyond. I'll be speaking with a great mix of guests this year, from winemakers and chefs to innovative pioneers in the world of hospitality and healthy living. Thanks again for listening to the show, and cheers! Thank you for listening, everybody. This is Camille Broderick, host of Camille's Demi Hour. And on the show today, we have one of my favorite producers from the Barola region in Piedmont. I confess this is one of my favorite regions, and I have a lot of favorite producers there. But this one in particular has a special place in my heart. So today, I am so excited to welcome Federico Choretto. So you are here for the Wine Festival, which is exciting. And how many years have you come to the island for this? The very first one was at the beginning of the festival uh, 20 years ago. And now I'm coming every other year. Mm -hmm. And last year I took my wife uh, with me because I wanted to show her how it could be amazing and, and, and uh, magic our... Uh, paradise. Our work, you know. Yeah. This is paradise. Yeah. <laughs> Here in Antarctica it's pure. When, if it's a perfect day, it's paradise. Yeah, running into people in the street. It's, it's like a reunion. It's a wine community getting together. You, you're right. You said it's a reunion. It's a really great wine reunion between wine friends, wine lovers, psalms, uh, chefs, uh, really hang out together. We cook together, we drink together, we party together. It's a great, uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a great, great it's a time. Good time. I want to talk about Toretto and what Toretto means to the region of Barolo. Okay. Your family has a great story. They've been nicknamed the Barolo brothers. Uh, why don't you talk about that and what Italy was 30 years ago, the Piedmont Barolo region specifically. If you look back in the history of Italian wine, it was only in the 70s and 80s when you started really parceling out the land, right? Can you explain how that transition actually happened? And again, the story with your with your family. Barolo Brothers, because we are um, we're a family. The company, the winery was founded by my uh, grandfather, Ricardo, who passed the business to the, uh, his uh, sons, Bruno and Marcello Ceretto, the Barolo Brothers mm -hmm. in, the, in the 80s. And uh, I think they achieved this name... Uh, with great uh, results, everything they did. I mean, they were visionary. And uh, even if it's, you're right, even if it's uh, only 30, 40 years, uh, but a lot happened in this, uh, in mean, the last Italy three was making, decades. Italy was making bulk wine and they weren't really separating Italy and thinking was about making, terroir. Uh, and... Italy was making, yes, Italy was making uh, mostly bulk wine. Mm -hmm. In reality, Italy, Italy was making regional, local wines mm -hmm. for uh, regional cuisine and local consumption mm -hmm. so so how 50 did, years ago how did the palate for for barolo become so powerful the in reality the king of wines is exactly what it's called. No, in reality the wine has uh, many wines uh, many territories they have a lot of history i mean when we talk about barolo we talk about 25 30 generations of uh, growers of vintners very highly uh, experienced that they know how to produce the very best grape they naturally selected step by step uh, vintage after vintage 200 300 years they selected the best clones the best positions the best soil types uh, so the potential to make great wines is there 
The revolution happened when uh, the winemaking school uh, were created in the 50s. So growers had the chance to send their kids to school and become growers and winemakers. Because uh, remember, in the 50s and the 60s, 99% of the wine was produced uh, by wineries, few big wineries, and 99% of the grape was coming from growers. The, the two businesses, the two jobs, they never crossed. You were a grower and you were a winery. Mm. The wineries, they didn't own grape uh, vineyards, and the, and the growers, they were not making wine. A they, huge difference. So yeah. then... Uh, it's a disconnect the, with the product. Then the economical boom of Italy happened mm-hmm. in the 60s. Because of the More, car industry? Yeah, yeah. The, the car industry, the industry. You know, mm-hmm. we, we m- moved away from a farm country into mm-hmm. an industrial country. Two things happened. One thing is that a lot of people decided to live their hard life being a farmer, a, gro- a wine grower, and uh, at the time, the grape uh, cost nothing. No? They were not making money the, the, the same way they do today, unfortunately. And uh, and they left to work in a in a factory right. for a safe, better job. So we could buy parcels. The reason why we own parcels in every village is, in many villages is because in the 60s and the 70s, those families, they left their, uh, their, their properties, mm-hmm. they sold it, to us, to Giacosa, Conterno, Pronotto, Vietti, Pio Cesare. You can, These all are the all big, the best Barolo yeah. <laughs> names. And yeah. Trento is in there. Yeah, you, exactly. you guys are kind of under the radar, but I, I, I count you up there because of the the Burgundian terroir exactly. style making that you, you Brava. switched to. Bravissimo. So, uh, and Burgundy made an important role for, for our uh, vision because, okay, we got all these parcels, all these vineyards, uh, Burgundy, it's basically the other side of the Alps. We call each other cousins. And that was the, our first uh, evolved uh, vintner uh, territory. So we learned, we moved, we went there many times, visiting, trying to understand. So inspiration from Burgundy, wine school, so new winemakers, families with uh, a, a better income from their factory work and, and from selling the properties and Basically, all these three elements, uh, in 10 years, uh, we moved from uh, being growers selling uh, cheap grape to those big wineries into let me vinify different parcels of Nebbiolo to make Barolo, aging, vinification, quality, bottling, pride, vintages, go around the world, (laughs) open the bottle, taste my wine, because if you love Burgundy, if you love Bordeaux, you're going to love Barolo. Because I make a great wine from a great vineyard, and I can, and this wine can age. This wine has a terroir. This wine has a food potential. And the last thing was Italian cuisine. Yeah. It's the number one cuisine in the world. Italian as the winemakers. Is that what just Italians yeah, say? <laughs> you know it's true. <laughs> you, you all know it's true. I do. I know. I think my last meal yeah. on the planet and would be a bowl love, of pasta. And you love the Italian uh, mood when you go in an Italian restaurant. So at the end of the day, you want to have a good glass of wine. You want to have a great moment, a great experience. You go to the restaurant. We opened our own restaurants in Alba because, I mean, that is the way you should drink. You don't have to drink too much, but you want right people, the right amount of uh, wine, the great food, uh, an Italian waiter, Taking care of you, <laughs> laughing, and 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 making your time amazing, and everything is perfect. I absolutely want to talk about the restaurant. That's one thing that I wanted you on the show for is to talk about the hospitality aspect of your business and why you did open a Michelin star restaurant. 
Uh, but reflecting on what you just said about the history of that area, what a profound and incredible evolution of wine. Sure. Absolutely. I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to think about other regions in the world that had such a fast evolution. No, brother, fast. Fast is the right word. In, in uh, one deck, in 20 years, nobody. In 100 years, all the big... Uh, Territory, wine territory. They evolved, but in three, four, five generations. Um, we did it in one. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking maybe some areas in Oregon, north of in the U.S., perhaps, but but ultimately, it's a testament to Barolo, to the grape, to yeah. the varietal, to Nebbiolo, to we the beautiful wines. We you were, were, you were we already were making the wines. You just were drinking them all. Yes. You guys we were, were drinking, we were <laughs> drinking them all. Let, you weren't exporting anything yeah. for us. And we were not um, thinking of... Uh, bottling and going around the world uh, and uh, uh, just bring the message you know uh, farmers they think of their own little uh, space right, right new york you need visionary i mean people like uh, angelo gaia uh, bruno ceretto pio boff those people they changed the world yeah. because they took their wines uh, they took their money their pride uh, their family production, and they went around the world. They conquered the world. My first importer in the in, in U.S. said, give me three wines, uh, same price, three red wines from Italy. This, this was the, on the invoice. Three red wines from Italy, from a Ceretto house. That's it. Same price, but Dolcetto Barbera Barolo. Just give me three wines in the case they don't like the first one. They can buy the second one or the oh, third one. And this was existed. 1968. <laughs> three wines from, give me three wines from Italy, 1968. Uh -huh. Today we are in Nantucket, the finest, uh, sophistic, most sophisticated wine festival, talking about terroir. So, it's, fantastic. Uh, it's fantastic. If you're just listening, we are speaking with Federico Toretto from uh, Barolo Piedmont in the Longue region. And we were just talking about the history of Barolo and how fast and became a huge wine on the world market. But let's talk about Toretto and the hospitality scene there. The word hospitality is very common with wineries. They have a tasting room. But I think the level of experience is really graduating to a, a different par here. Yes. And and then restaurants are being included in this. And I, I think it's all very fascinating because people want the whole experience around the wine. So you are a pioneer of this because you have Same. a Michelin. Three Michelin star restaurant. Piazza yeah, I Roma. wanted you to brag. Um, <laughs> Piazza. <laughs> but I'm going to let you talk about it. Why did you open a, a, a restaurant and how on earth did you get three star Michelin so quickly? Oh, fantastic. It was my father's dream. The, the same man who traveled for 40 years around the world uh, in the best restaurants to talk about his wines, uh, loved so much chefs, food, uh, and and the, the restaurant uh, scene that he said, okay, when I retire, so when I stop traveling, he passed his job to me. He said, I want to do something for my town, Alba, because you're right, a lot of people come to Piemonte for enjoying the amazing food experience. Piemonte cuisine is exceptional. So some Piemonte ingredients like white truffles, cheeses, meat uh, yeah. are amazing. It is amazing. So the potential is, is there. We met the chef, Enrico Carippa. The goal was a one star, maybe two stars, because Alba didn't have two stars. And then when we saw in five years uh, being there, we said, okay, now, chef, what do you need? And the chef, uh, instead of going into this molecular or complicated uh, thing he said that if you can provide me the best uh, garden and greenhouse so that's our job you know we are farmers i can do something uh, extraordinary and you've been there it's all about uh, 
leaves and roots. Uh, it's all about uh, little meat, a lot of fish, but flavors, flowers, uh, spices. Uh, it's all delicate. It's all a finesse, pure finesse, great flavors, pure, and it's a dream. It's a, we are in the backstage. We prepare the, 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 the greenhouse and everything. We help the chef manage in the restaurant in terms of administration or whatever, accounting. But it's full uh, responsibility of uh, the chef and his team, and they are amazing hard-working, focused uh, guys. So I mean, when we talk about hospitality and grace and service, it was an extraordinary experience. It was an unexpected one. Just to tell the audience, mm-hmm. <laughs> he surprised me with this reservation, and my husband and I changed in the parking lot because we thought we were just going <laughs> to pop in and say hi, and uh, we didn't know we were going to have a 12-course amazing, Fantastic. incredible lunch Grazie. that is Grazie. in our memories and our hearts forever. But the food was, was glorious, and... Why did you open the restaurant in town? So it's not it's not near the winery. It's actually in this beautiful, it's Piazza Duomo. That's the name of it. So it's, it's in Piazza Duomo. It's in the Piazza of the Duomo, of the cathedral. Uh, beautiful square. It's a, this is a, a little bit, I have to say. This is also a, a way that my family wanted to establish, definitely, the Ceretto name with the town of Alba. So, you know. We, we bought the building. Mm-hmm. The chance happened because we bought the building. At mm-hmm. the beginning, we thought to, to do like in Rams, in Champagne, uh-huh. to do the diplomatic office of the winery in right. town. Mm-hmm. But then it's, it's not our style. So we said we need something that relates uh, the Ceretto family to the town of Alba because that is the center of the town. It's the, for us, it's the center of the world. It's remarkable. And so the winery itself, you have this amazing dome that you designed, this architectural sort of dome that extends into uh, Uh, the landscape that you created. And then it's just a beautiful welcome for anybody visiting uh, the winery. But tell us about the experience if you want to visit the winery. It's called the Ceretto Experience. This came from, I have to be uh, thankful to U.S. wine um, vision. Uh, I learned uh, 99% of what we do there from my time uh, with my importer in Napa many years ago. I had an importer uh, in Napa. And after this never-ending meetings, uh, I wanted to just leave the office. And I visited wineries for five years in Napa, basically three, four, five times a year, going to different. And I said, this is the way you have to treat your guests when they come. This is what people expect to be treated. So when I came back, I'm like... What kind of a winery visit offer we have in Piemonte? It was, a, let, me, let me be brutal, it was miserable. No reception, no welcoming, no team, uh, no different languages, no open on Saturday and Sunday, uh, oh, no, yeah. no. no service, no, no service. Yeah. I mean, I understand the charm of going there, knock the door, right. someone from the family opened the door because we are all small wineries, so someone opened the door. And uh, you meet Mr. Charetto, Mr. Whatever, and uh, can I try your wines? And you go there and take you downstairs, like in Burgundy. In Burgundy, they do like this. You knock mm-hmm. the door. If they open, they take you down. They taste a couple of glasses. And you have the great privilege and the great experience right. to, meet, private, uh, to meet the guy. Intimate. But it's, that is not an experience. An experience is I have a lot of messages to give to my guests. So welcome. First step, welcome. Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. We are always open. Come and see us. Mm-hmm. Welcome. And then, welcome. what can we do for you? What kind of experience you want to have? You want to taste? You want to look you, around? You, yeah, yep. you want to buy the new vintage because you love this wine. You want to see something. You want to just learn something. You just, uh, I mean, our job 
is the best job in the world. These, the people that are traveling to visit wineries or, or visit a land like Piemonte for food and wine, they want to enjoy and they, and they want to take their time. They probably come from a very busy work somewhere. They deserve to be treated a certain oh, way yeah. and they absorb. Oh, and yeah, they, they start with we're three. ready we're, yeah. we're all yours <laughs> and and you know we're what and those are the best i keep doing this when i when i go down and check uh, in, the, in the hospitality and i see people i sit with them and they are always amazing conversations they can be a young couple from budapest they can be a, a wine collectors from boston they can be uh, three psalms from uh, i don't know yeah. they can be people that don't even have the, the 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 money but they dream so much to be there they enjoy the landscape you're giving them something you cannot just uh, say ah okay thank you and ciao goodbye no yeah it's each you, one is different, right? Everyone I can be want a relation. For something else. It's a, it's yeah. a, my job is making wine and drinking wine in restaurant or in front of people. It's a human experience. If you don't give a little bit of your time and you don't take the, the chance to have people's time, you don't establish a relationship. You don't, it's not human. It's like, ah, here's a bottle of wine. Here's the bill. Go buy. I don't care where you drink it, what you do, who you are. No, you are tasting my wine. I want to see your eyes, uh, what they tell me, and I want to you to see from my eyes uh, what I'm trying to do. And then this is... Uh, Love the Italians. Yeah. I mean, aren't you just sucked in? Don't you just hear it? Don't you want to drink this wine? But it's communal. You don't drink a wine by yourself and stare at a wall. I mean, that's, not, that's uh, not what it's about. Nobody... No, this is... Brava. This is... Uh, nobody comes alone. Nobody. Yeah. Good point. You don't have yeah. people visiting wineries alone. Let's talk. We have a few more minutes left. Again, you're listening to Camille's Demi Hour on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. And I have the lovely Federico Choretto from uh, Barolo. And he is just telling us all about his fantastic winery and his three-star Michelin restaurant in Alba. And I'd love to talk about the wine itself, the evolution so? of the wine, where it is today in the last few minutes. And um, you're moving more towards sustainable practices. What does that mean to you and to other people drinking your wine? After so many uh, great steps did by my father, my uncle, and, and at the beginning by my grandfather, it, now it's time for us to bring something to the... Give something back. Yeah, exactly. That's, so me that's and my, my cousin... Question. Yeah. That's my other question. How do you feel inheriting such an incredible legacy we want we want to give back we want to commit and i think today the the, the strongest message we can uh, give also because now we have a responsibility we are land owners uh, in a large scale because we are one of the strongest uh, vineyard owners today in, in lange between the arnais it's uh, 80 hectares 150 acres barolo and barbaresco together is another 45 so uh, yeah <laughs> acres so we have this and the sustainability all the wineries must go immediately in the direction of sustainability. And then the next step should be full sustainability. Mm -hmm. We're we moved already in biodynamic viticulture. Mm -hmm. Winemaking is a different process. So non-natural wines, biodynamic farming for all the hazelnut, all the garden of the chef, the vineyards. Right. This is our contribution. We have to bring our companies if they are related to the land in this direction. What are the challenges? People think that maybe, why is it so hard to be sustainable? Isn't that the way it should be? But if you do it, you have to do it seriously. So you need to study. Mm -hmm. You need to learn and study. So the first step is mental. Ah, we always did like this. Right. Why should I change? I'll give you an example. In our books at school, 
winemaking school eh? in 1997. Not one word about organic. Now it's a big point. Right. This world, today we talk about this, but 20 years ago, no. So changing, right. changing means that you leave something you know to go somewhere you don't know. And this is uh, scary. For many people, it's scary. Imagine for small uh, wineries. Then there is the legend, ah, if you go sustainable, you have you take the risk, too much risk for your harvest. That's bullshit. You can do it uh, perfectly. Nothing has changed. It's a little bit more expensive. Little bit. Not much. Because little. of labor? Because of the labor, yes. And the risk is for and any because sort of when the nature, or... when the nature tells you that it's not the vintage to produce a lot of grape, you have to produce You less. have to listen to it, right. Yeah. So it's not about... Yields and quantities. You, can, you don't disease? have to... Disease, uh, you can fight disease with no problem. Uh, we live in very healthy environment. We are great uh, gardeners more than winters. Right. So disease, uh, we can go through it. Biodynamic, you understand that you need the diversity. You need the biological diversity. So now we are planting... Not we are planting trees. We are, the the reason why with the chef we did the garden. The garden is within our biggest property because we planted flowers, uh, trees, fruit, uh, whatever biodiversity. So the nature protects itself. If there is a new disease, and the disease spread too much, it's because the nature don't have enough biodiversity to find fight against. Uh, yes, right. to find something that is the solution. The the, the nature, it's life, is not dead. So if something happen, something attack your your nature, the nature itself will find a, a, a solution. It's almost like the human body too when you think exactly. about physiology. Exactly. So you need to understand this. Now for us it's clear. For me and you, Camille, it's clear. For the people, for my father and my uncle, we had to fight against them. We really had to fight against them and say, stop doing this and start doing that and see the results. You can taste it. Result. Can, you can uh, taste it. Uh, taste, yeah, certain tasting. biodynamic wines, I feel there's a there's a life in there. I taste when uh, the wine have been pushed uh, through the season, through the vinification, through all the... Pro they've been manipulated in order to keep the standard mm -hmm. that the winemaker... Mm -hmm. So the business plan that the winemaker has in mind. I feel that. When I yeah. taste wines that are based on a business plan you and the, and the vintage was not uh, able to do it you feel it but when you let the nature express uh, again yes energy it's life you can life, yeah. yeah you want feel vibrant the wines are vibrant want to pay yes. attention it's there biodynamic we have to understand this is not a quality stuff it is a full identification of your wine with that site with that vintage with that uh, mm -hmm. environment so if you want to come to Piemonte because you love that place. You deserve to have real wine from really from that place. You want to come to Piemonte, but the wine has to taste a little bit also the way you prefer. No, you need you deserve the real experience. Otherwise, you stay home and uh, you know and you watch <laughs> watch something on the on Instagram and buy a wine that is uh, manipulated and 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 think you're having a good time. But you're not having a real good time. You're, you think you're having a good time. If this doesn't make you want to taste some Barolo, I don't know what does. <laughs> but the passion and your dedication to what you do, it's in your blood, obviously. Grazie. It is. <laughs> and uh, your wines are delicious. It's been really fun reuniting. And again, congratulations. You mentioned earlier that it, you were just inherited or passed down uh, the winery. This February. To you and your... It's a family business. Yeah. So my yeah. grandfather passes to my father and my father passes to me. 22 years you've been uh, so, yeah, yeah. I. <laughs> My stage, uh, my stage was, was was quite uh, was quite long. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Grazie, and you're, you're welcome best. back anytime on Nantucket. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you all.
Thank you again for listening to Camille's Demi Hour. Tune in every weekend through Labor Day on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station, Saturday mornings at 10.30 and Sundays at 11.30. If you want to hear the full episodes, you can find me on iTunes. Cheers! Oh, yeah.